Here's what's cooking on today's Sports Stove Local Hour. We are recapping the EKU football season and handing out the annual Sports Stove Awards on today's show. And great guests John Stone and Cam Jr. are going to join the show. That's what's cooking on today's Sports Stove Local Hour. McKinney looks, sets it a pocket, throws open, receiver, touchdown! Colonels, we're not done yet! Our identity is we're going to press for 40 minutes, we're going to play up-tempo, we're going to play with unbelievable passion, and then our brand is the most exciting 40 minutes in sports. Welcome in to an all-new edition of the Sports Stove Local Hour presented by Righteous Felon Jerky. It is time to get your stocking stuffers ordered, and there's no better place to get them at than Righteous felon.com and we're going to give you a discount code use the code stove 15 s-t-o-v-e one five you're going to get 15 percent off your order you can get stocking stuffers for everyone in your house those with uh spicy taste buds well they got that uh those with uh you know a little bit more tame taste buds they got that also uh but find your new favorite flavor at righteousfelon.com use the code stove 15 at checkout for 15% off your purchase. I'm Vince Dover, joined as I am every Monday by the one and only Captain Rhino, Ryan Jackson. How you doing, man? No, I'm doing all right today. Today was another good day. You're, you're back in Kentucky, I see. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so your mom let you go home or come back. <laughs> yeah, I'll be back soon now. But I, yeah, I, yeah, I, it's almost Christmas time, man. Exams and everything going on and all that good stuff. So plenty of things to go. I'm excited about this episode. I like I like this, and this is the first time that uh, that I've got someone here with me for it too, which is awesome. Uh, we're going to recap the whole season um, after after we're done doing that. We'll let our guests go, and then we're going to go through the sports stove awards. Now, I did not uh, include Ryan on these as far as voting for them because I didn't want his teammates or coaches to be mad at him. So, uh, but I'll I'll let uh, uh, Ryan react to them. And uh, give us some thoughts, maybe give us some honorable mention guys that I didn't didn't put in there and things like that as well. Uh, but before we get to our guests, a couple quick updates, of things going on in the EKU football world. First of all, Transfer Portal is alive and active. Uh, currently, six players have announced that they have entered the Transfer Portal. There will be more. Not, I don't think a ton more, but there will be more um, added to that list at some point. But according to uh, Twitter or X and these people's personal accounts, uh, Jaden Smith, Reese Atkins, Keandre McGlure, Jaden Boss, Jariah Hightower, and Rodney White all in the transfer portal and uh, and looking for opportunities there. Um, you know, it's we talked about Reese and Jariah already. Um, none of these guys, in my opinion, at least are surprises in the sense it's guys that are looking for more playing opportunities and things like that. Keandre McGlure, we've talked about him on the show before. I'm a huge Keandre fan. Um, I think his talent is phenomenal. I love what he does out of the backfield, especially with catching the ball. Um, and he's a good runner, too. I don't mean to diminish that at all. Um, so hate to see him go. Um, I won't ask you to say anything. I don't know what you know. Um, his brother is not on the roster on the website, so I'm assuming his brother's going to enter as well. But that's pure speculation. I don't know anything about that. Jaden Smith, man, I was so happy to have him back this year. Um, after the success that Jaden uh, Higgins had last year as well, and with the graduation of Parker McKinney, I wasn't surprised to see Jaden go. I hate it, uh, but I wasn't surprised to see him go. I'm hoping 
he gets an opportunity like Higgins did last year too. Um, you know, but Jaden, we, we've talked a lot about him. We had him on the show this year. He has that personality, the great character, um, seemed to be a great locker room guy as well. And I know that's going to be a tough, tough loss, not just on the field, but also in the locker room. Yeah. Losing, losing Jado as a teammate will, will definitely, uh, take a toll on the team. You, you lose Mr. Consistency, Mr. Mr. Work on our team. He, he definitely, he led the pack when it came to stuff like that. And, uh, you also lose a great guy, a great character guy in the locker room. But wherever he goes, he'll be a superstar and he'll shine. That's that's just the type of kid he is, and uh, he'll outwork and he'll be ready to go wherever he goes. And I'm excited. I'm excited for him. Yeah, we're 100 percent Jado fans on this podcast, and and wish him all the best. Um, Jaden, he had some injury issues early in the year. Boss, Jaden, Boss had some injury issues early in the year, um, and I think just where he lies on the depth chart. I think he's looking for that opportunity again. That's just my opinion, speculation. I don't. He didn't say that. Um, and then, of course, uh, another guy on the D line and, and Rodney White moving on as well. That being said, there have been no official announcements for anybody who has signed yet out of the transfer portal. But I did some deep research, um, and I will say this: the guys that are being offered right now, and the guys who are being speculated to come in, are going to be massive additions, as as has been the past several years. Uh, we've seen different guys come through um, the O-linemen that are being offered and the O-linemen that are being rumored to be coming to EKU. Um, there's going to be some uh, some pretty big deals, in my opinion, at least. And then the two, the two positions I expect the most transfer portal additions to is O-line and de- defensive backs. Um, and the guys that are being offered, because that is public knowledge, um, it'd be great. <laughs> it'd be great <laughs> if we land some of these guys. Be a help, no doubt. Plus, we got the guys that are still on the team and the guys that are, you know, coming up uh, that have been brought in through high school and last year and all those kinds of things, too. So um, as much as we hate to see guys leave, um, I think we're getting used to it now. That's the way it works. And uh, new guys will be in uh, next year as well as the returning guys. And so we'll get to see those guys and cheer them on as well. So uh, good luck to the guys that are looking for other uh, other opportunities. And uh, looking forward to seeing announcements when guys sign and come in. Here's the one name I'll give you. Offensive lineman transferring out of Kentucky, uh, Deion Walker. Uh, he has been the most rumored to be coming to EKU. Um, again, it's it's pure rumor, no doubt. Uh, but at the same time, it seems to be um, people who know what they're talking about. So uh, it'd be a fun addition. He's a, he's a big kid. He plays tackle. Um, big kid. And obviously two tackles just graduated. So, <laughs> so, so there's, there's a need, no doubt, uh, to help at least with depth, if nothing else. So, so there is that. All right. So now we're going to get into our, uh, recap of the season and we're going to bring in some guests to help us out, uh, today with this first coming up is the, uh, offensive lineman center. Uh, the one and only John stone joins the program and, uh, John Ryan has, has, uh, uh, suggested we have you on for a while now. We finally got it done. How you doing, man? I'm doing good. Thanks for the invite. Yeah, man, we're glad to have you. And our other guest, I believe he's here. Let's bring him up to the thing. Uh, a beautiful picture. There he is. The one and only Cam Jr. is here also. How you doing, man? Pretty good. How y'all doing? Doing good. Doing good. All right, so here's what we're going to do. We're going to run through the season. Um, we're going to do some just kind of general stuff first. And I want to run through kind of each game, but we got we to gotta keep it moving. So. Uh, but I'm sure there's some stories, whether it be uh, a plane ride, a bus ride, during the game, after the game, before the game, something crazy going on in the locker room that you guys can fill us in on. 
Um, but I want to start with this, and we'll start with John. Uh, John, the most exciting or fun game that you that you had this season? Definitely UK. I'm from Kentucky, so I remember running out on the field and looking around. It was so surreal. Like, you know, there's game like you get pumped up for every game, but like then, like as soon as I was on the sideline, like I was ready to go. I didn't care who was in front of me. I was like, all right, this is SEC football, home state. It was. And, you know, we, we played pretty well as a team in the beginning, so it was it was definitely an exciting one. Awesome. Cam, most exciting or fun game this season? Uh, exciting game for me was probably Cincinnati. You know, uh, transferring from Cincinnati was a, a big thing for me. So uh, getting to play in the first game of the season was kind of a, a stretch. It kind of had my uh, adrenaline pumping 24-7. I love it. Uh, all right, now here's the negative, right? Most disappointing game, the one that left you the most heartbroken uh, of the season. Cam, we'll start with you this time. Uh, uh, most most heartbreaking game. Uh, I'm definitely going to say Central Arkansas. Last play of the game, it, uh, it kind of hurt me. I was in that play. Uh, you know, obviously I felt like he wasn't in, but uh, they have enough uh, evidence to overturn it. And uh, obviously that put a uh, heartbreak in the in our hearts right there for sure john austin p i don't know we me or uh eku and austin p we just got a weird it's a rivalry and anytime anytime we play them it's always something more than you know what it is so you know going to overtime and not getting it done and i i, I don't know the exact stat but going into overtime we usually don't lose so right. the i'm just talking we were like as soon as it went into overtime, we're like, all right, we got this. So, you know, not coming up on the right side of the wind calm. Definitely. That was a disappointment. Yeah. Ryan, most exciting and fun game and most disappointing game? Uh, one of the more exciting games we had was probably SEMO mm. at home. That one was a really exciting one because we got to put on a show in front of the fans and it came down to the wire. It was just a good game back and forth. Most disappointing, probably the Gardner Webb game. Um, mm -hmm. Losing it on just big plays and not being able to finish that one. That was probably one of the more disappointing moments during the season. That was painful, no doubt. All right, let's start. Let's start at the top. Cincinnati. All right. Uh, first of all, I want to say shout out to Cincinnati because their press box was phenomenal. It was gorgeous. It was massive, and they had an all-you-can-eat barbecue buffet throughout the entire game. Uh, so that was by far, uh, an amazing trip for me <laughs> being able to stuff my face while watching that game was awesome and trying to get, uh, maybe some, uh, culinary updates in the press box at EKU for future, for future games. But, um, Cincinnati, obviously the score wasn't what you guys wanted it to be. Um, and Cam, we'll start with you on this one, man. Uh, you know, going back and playing, you talked about it already briefly, but, um, I don't know. What was it like coming in as a visitor in, in that place? Uh, I felt the energy. Um, I knew a lot of fans that were uh, calling my name, booing me. So, you know, uh, they were all friends at the end of the day. But, you know, it, it, was, it was a fun experience. But at the same time, you know, felt like it, it was uh, kind of an upstate, uh, not upstate, but upset to the start of the season because uh, I felt like we could have done better, you know, as a team, as a whole. But, you know, we after that game, I felt like we faced adversity and we moved on, changed the scheme up a little bit. And I feel like if we uh, 
had the same scheme going into the game, I feel like it would be a different, whole different game for us. Yeah, you know, when I saw it from my – and again, I didn't play football, so my eyes are purely from a, uh, a spectator position. But it just seemed like it wasn't that – the score was 66-13, but it didn't seem like it was that big of a difference between the two teams. It was big plays. Um, Cincinnati hit some big plays, and and that was pretty much the difference – in my opinion, at the very least, John, uh, going up against what's now a big 12 team. Um, you know, we went up against the sec team in, in week two, but week one, you guys are growing up a big 12 team, um, lining up across those guys. was there a difference between the Cincinnati and Kentucky guys versus the Western Carolinas and the North Alabamas and the Tarleton States and those kind of things? Yeah. I mean, there's definitely a big difference, but I don't think it's like, it's not about the starters on the on the FCS teams. It's about the depth that those mm-hmm. teams have. So, like, I think especially in the UK game, like, it's comparable to Cincinnati, but third, second line that comes in fresh is, you know, just as good as most of the teams we play. So there definitely is a difference, but I don't think they were, you know, giants of no means. But the depth that they have at D-line at that level – just to stay up with and in condition with is definitely, I think, probably the difference. Now, of course, you got to practice against Ryan Jackson every day. So for you, it was no big thing, right? I mean, oh. I happened to handle a rhino every every day and then seeing Cincinnati, Kentucky, no, no big thing. No, I was about to say. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's go to Kentucky. Uh, or for any stories from the Cincinnati game that, that uh, you think the listeners would like, anything crazy happen or – wild funny anything like that it was just hot it was really hot that day hot, like, hot, <laughs> hot. man all right everybody was about to go out there in some tights and everybody's <laughs> it was it was even hot out there after that guy now cam was it is it was that abnormally hot for there or was that normal from what you'd experienced you know it's a it's that's I think that was like a normal experience. Like I was trying to tell the team, uh, going to Cincinnati, it's like the uh, stadium's built into the ground, so it's like basically the sun was baking in a bowl. <laughs> so it was like all the all the heat was just trapped in one little area, and it definitely made it hard for you to breathe. So I think that was the norm for them. Like I wouldn't say it's the hottest day, but it was more like a norm. Yeah, and there's a lot of hot air in that stadium, too. Um, all right, Kentucky was game number two. Of course, a big deal for people who live here in the area. Uh, a fun opportunity, and not only a fun opportunity, you guys controlled the first half and really uh, uh, take away the end of the first half. You might you might win that game. I don't mean that to be too negative, so I, I apologize if it came across that way. But you guys were in that game the entire way, uh, which is pretty cool. So, John, you know, you said at home, you mean home state, you get an opportunity to play. Now, I grew up in Tennessee. So, for me, Kentucky football is not something that I ever idolized in any way, shape, or form. But that being said, I know it's a big deal for in state guys um, to play. And uh, what's the difference between SEC ball versus what you saw at Cincinnati uh, specifically? Um, I think really, you know, they both had pretty big D-lines, but, I mean, Kentucky's D-line, you can just look at the list. I mean, they had some some big guys up there. So, I think it was just a little bit more size and then a little bit more depth, but, you know, not no discredit from Cincinnati. They had they had some pretty good guys too, but yeah. definitely size. I mean, I remember I was ready to go and I get down on top of the ball and 
I forget the guy's name, the D lineman, but he's six six, three hundred and forty pounds. I was like, yeah. you know, <laughs> go. <laughs> it's a big boy. <laughs> now, had you guys done anything with I know that obviously the coaching staff gets along pretty well with uh Coach Wells being connected there. Um, and now you had Conrad and um Oh, no, I forgot the other guy's name. Uh, quarterback coach, Maxwell, uh, his, as well. Um, had, did you guys – had you guys ever done anything off-season practices or anything like that with those guys? No. No, we've practiced at their facility before, but – Okay. All right, so, Cam, uh, you know, you and Ryan on the defensive side of the ball had had a really good outing at Kentucky and and looked really, really solid in that game. Um, you know, what, what were you seeing from your side of the ball, uh, against the team that had huge expectations this year in the SEC? Um, and you guys ran with them the whole time. You know, I felt like obviously it was a great game. It was a, it was a good, uh, good rivalry between us, both being, uh, Kentucky teams. Uh, I felt like the energy towards that team, I felt like a lot of people had animosity, which they came in the game with it. And um, they played very well with it, especially on the defensive side. Um, when I got in the game, um, my, my first play was like a targeting, so I was kind of scared. Um, but they overturned it. And um, obviously, I got to see uh, how the receivers and the uh, run game was. And um, I felt it was like it was like a match for like our offense. We we're de definitely just playing our offense, and we just had to beat and just out out play them, obviously. And uh, at the end, you know, I felt like we let little things uh, like overturn the game, and that's how it affected us at the end. So I forgot about the targeting call. Um, that's right. And now I was listening to it on the radio, and so I didn't, I didn't get a chance to see it in person. But we, me and Ryan talked about it uh, that that week, and uh, that's that's we were very happy they overturned it. The guys on the radio, Greg Stoudemire, he was, I mean, they were like, "No, nah, that's clearly a targeting. Yeah, he's gone." They <laughs> 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 overturned it. Never mind. Just kidding. Um, but uh, uh, Ryan, you had four tackles in that game, including a half a tackle for a loss uh, in that game too. And and again, you're from the Nashville area, but still, the opportunity to play uh, at a at a you know, SEC schools were a pretty cool thing. Yeah, playing at that big stage, like Cam said, the, the energy was just different, especially amongst our entire defense. You could see all of us flying around, having a good time, and the offense came and brought it too because I think – I don't know when y'all scored, John, but it was one of their first, couple first, first drives. First one after the punt, yeah. Yeah, the first drive. It was, just, it was just different, and you couldn't tell any of us that we couldn't hang with them or we couldn't play with them that whole game. Now, when Cam tried to decapitate the kid, I don't know what he's doing, but luckily that got overturned. But it, yeah, it was a great game, and it, it was fun. It was fun. Yeah, the early um, was I guess ruled an interception. I think it was a sack, fumble slash interception uh, thing that happened there, and then um, are you talking about Franklin's uh, tip pass? Yeah, yeah. Um, so they had that going on. You had a lot of different stuff happening as well but um and you guys really contained ray davis which you look at what he ended up doing all season long at running back as a as a huge feat for sure uh game three was at home first home game of the season western carolina a three-point loss in that game um you know this was one that coming off that kentucky game obviously everybody was buzzing they thought this is going to be 
uh, I, you know, the, we're not going to lose to anybody <laughs> at that point. Western Carolina, nothing was lost as far as the opportunities for the season or anything like that. Um, and it came right down to it as well in that game. So, uh, John, Western Carolina, what do you remember from it and uh, what stands out? Um, well, I, it feels like so long ago, but uh, they uh, their defense, uh, defensive line, they were good, kind of like a chippier kind of team. Um, I remember it was raining a lot too, so mm-hmm. had to be we had to run a lot more of the ball than I think we game planned. But um, you just didn't came down to the end where you know we we didn't score enough that we needed to, and there's a long kick and we didn't make it to go into overtime. So you know we that was, that's about all I remember. But they were they were a really good team, and I think that in the locker room we we talked about we knew they were going to be good. They had that new coaching change. We played them two years ago. And they definitely had a big turnover from 2020. So we, we knew that we knew they were coached well and they, they had talent. So, yeah. Cam, what do you remember about the, uh, the offense of Western Carolina? Um, obviously remember they had two backs. They were both little, but you know, they had like a super burst. Um, all we had to do was, you know, stop the run. And I feel like we did a pretty good job stopping the run, but then, you know, they obviously had some explosive plays that uh, led to them winning the game. And um, I remember after the game, uh, that's when Coach Wells came in the locker room and he said what he had to say, talking about finishing. And I, I guess, you know, that that hit a hole in everybody's hearts right there that uh, finishing was a was going to be a big part of the rest of our season. So uh, once he said finish, I felt like, we we was obligated to do that, especially in practice. And then when then come at, uh, game time, we we made it a, a job to finish more games. But yeah, yeah. man, Western Carolina scored with twenty five seconds left uh, after uh, not too long of a drive, I guess minute and a half drive, mm-hmm. and uh, then you guys marched right back down into field goal <laughs> position. But again, rainy, windy. Uh, it was not an ideal night for uh, a kicker to be kicking, and Pat gave it everything he had but didn't go through. Ryan, any thoughts on Western Carolina? Yeah, terrible, stormy game. I remember most of the – when we came out there at the start, it wasn't all that rainy and had a big crowd. It was, yeah. it was a huge game. And then we come out from the locker room, and it's storming. <laughs> like, people are running to the car. People are running to the top of the bleachers. But – uh. Overall, the game, it, it was a fight. It was a fight between two really good teams that really wanted to win and really needed that win to, like, put put a little divide on us because I don't know the next time we play those guys, but I hope it's soon. Uh, uh, but, no, nah, that, that was a great game. It, it was great to watch our offense work because I feel like that was one of the first games where they really got into a groove with pushing the ball and scoring. And it's big thanks to John. I think that was might have been his first offensive lineman of the game award. But that's when he started, he started stepping it up. And it, you could tell our offense was going to start getting rolling after that. Yeah, it was a massive crowd, really, really solid crowd. And during the anthem is when the rain started to pour. And you're right, everybody went running, man. Now, I'm in the press box, so I didn't have to worry about it. But um, And a lot of people stuck around for about the first half, and then they just got so cold, I guess, they, they bailed. Um, but uh, it, was, it was a nasty night, no doubt. Uh, then you guys had SEMO, um, number 16 ranked SEMO. You guys beat them by three. You kept it close just to keep it entertaining, uh, I believe was the reason why. 
Uh, but uh, uh, that game came down to it as well. You guys outscored them in the fourth quarter, 17-7. to seven. Uh, Braden Sloan went off for 122 rushing yards and 51 receiving yards. John blocking for a guy like Braden and Josh, who both had really good years this year. Um, you know, this game, this game seemed to be one of those games where that run game really started to show itself. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's great having those guys and they both, uh, they're dynamic in their own ways. You know, they're, they're two different types of runners, but you know, Simo, I remember from the game, they, we did a lot of study on their fronts and their tendencies and stuff. And there at the end when, you know, Sloan was getting his big carries, you know, that's, it's things that we saw and things that we kind of knew that could kind of happen, I guess. So, you know, um, it's always good. It's good when those guys get the attention and get all the rush yards, you know, it feels good for us. I mean, there's no lineman you love when you get a rushing touchdown, you get a big gain. I mean, so it was, it was fun. And like I said, we, the fourth quarter we're on the sideline and it's like, all right, guys, it's time to, you know, start rolling a little bit. You know, we got to catch up and, you know, you got Parker and those guys behind you, you make some plays and you're right. Cam Sima went up seventeen nothing to start the game, um, and then then you guys really started to get into what you wanted to do a little bit more defensively. Um, in this Simo game, do you remember that seventeen zero deficit and the mindset you guys were thinking on the sideline? Yeah, uh, I remember uh, Coach Wells and Coach Johnson talking about we don't have to pick it up on defense. Um, that was uh, that was already that's all they had to say to uh, to the defense to make them. Make them fire up and get on the field and stop the stop the run and stop the uh, pass. And um, I felt like towards uh, towards the end of the game, once offense started cooking, I felt like that that brought a lot of energy to the defense. So like, we need to come back. We need to make we need to make some changes right now. So once we got on the field, it was a lot of three and outs, and then the offense came back on the field and did what they had to do. So I think it would be a, as a team we worked together and we made it happen. And Rhino, you learned the lesson of making sure you have enough sack celebrations in your pocket because you had three celebrations, but you only had two ready. Uh, you didn't know what to do after the third one, but that that was a uh, uh, a career high for you, obviously. Um, and you surpassed your career total in sacks in one game uh, here against Simo uh, as well. Uh, how often do you think through that game? Yeah, that that was obviously a great game for me and. But uh, it was definitely a great overall team win. He, Cam was right. Coach Wells and Coach Johnson had some great uh, patient words for us after we spotted them 17 points. Uh, then then that's, that is really all we needed to kick it back into gear. We started – this is the game where our front really showed up, our front four, because it wasn't just only me that got a sack. I believe Frank Lee got a couple. We got good pressure on the quarterback all day. And uh, it was where we, we really started to – to, to develop a, a pass rush for ourselves. And obviously I got lucky a couple times. I got the one, uh, frankly, still says he outstrained me. I don't believe him. Uh, <laughs> and then my individual one, and then Marv just absolutely whiffed. And I got lucky on that one, but uh, it, it, it was just a lot of great moments in that game. Yeah. You could, once again, it's another game. You couldn't tell us we could lose. We were in it till the very end. We were ready to win. And that's, that was just the cardiac kernels at its best. Indeed, you went on winning the next game as well against North uh, Alabama. Josh Carter had the big game there, 140 yards and a touchdown rushing the ball. 
we started to see this back and forth between Josh and Braden. Um, one was one was busting for a hundred plus, and the other one was still contributing at the same time. Um, and for it seemed like for a couple of weeks there, it was back and forth between these these two guys. Uh, in this game, though, Cam, you had four total tackles in this game. It's where we really started to learn who Cam Jr. was, at least from the fan perspective of things. Um, do you feel like this was a, a jumping off point for the rest of your season? Yes, sir. Like, I, I definitely felt like this was a, a big start in my season. You know, I got my first start. You know, I'm starting to uh, build build my character, build uh, more confidence on the field. I ain't played um, – like an actual starting game, man, since high school. So uh, coming on the field, I felt like um, it was definitely going to be a change and I'm going to have to keep my spot uh, and play play the, uh, how I'm supposed to play to I was keep and earn my spot. Um, you know, I felt like uh, we did our job terrible, but, <laughs> you know, we got our job done on the turf. You know, I got a little scrapes on the knees, but, you know, that's that, that builds character, the little scars, builds character. And, um uh, after that, I feel like the season went pretty smooth after that. Yeah, Frank had two sacks in this game. Frank and Marv both had the forced fumbles uh, in this game as well. Logan, of course, 15 tackles in this game. So uh, a common theme throughout the season. John, the uh, playing surface, how different does that affect your job snapping the football? Um, It does a little bit, but I mean, I've – I've done it for, I guess, so many years now. You know what I mean? So you kind of just got to get out there, get a feel for it, and then you're good to go. I mean, I really – a lot of people take a lot of time and think about snapping the ball before they do it, but really it's just kind of like that's when you mess up, I feel like. So just go out there and, you, you know, you do it 100,000 times a week. So just kind of just kind of just don't even think about it. Get out there and get a feel for it, and you're ready to roll. And we talked about this run game and the consistency of it this year has been what Coach Wells has talked about for the last two, three years. And it finally was there this year. Part of that is because the offensive lineman not only played well, but you guys got to play together basically every snap this season. Um, I'm sure there's been a, a couple snaps that weren't that way, but generally speaking, compared to last year especially, um, you guys had five guys that played together for a long time. How nice was that to have that consistency throughout the season? No, I mean, it's it's everything because all five got to play as one. And, you know, I, I try to hang my head on. I'm not the most athletic all the time. But if I can get everybody else to know what we're doing and lay it out and we're all on the same track, kind of get a little head shake and you're ready to roll. And I think that really benefited a lot. Let's roll into homecoming. Uh, you guys start off the UAC season 2-0. Tarleton State came to town. 41-35, double overtime. Another uh, cardiac colonel win. Um, and we're starting to get that confidence level of, hey, if we make it to overtime, uh, it, colonels are going to win this game. It's the way that most people saw it. Braden uh, had 120 yards again in this game um, as well. Uh, I'm looking real quick to see uh, Parker had 104 rushing yards in this game also to go with his 190 passing yards um, and two sacks in this game. John uh, sacks is not something you guys gave up a lot of this year. And when you did, it was typically, uh, well, it's going to sound mean on Parker in some ways where he could have thrown it away or, he, uh, you know, whatever it may be. And Parker says this, I'm not, I'm not accusing Parker of this. Um, that being said, you guys get this win 
on offense and you see um you know between parker and Braden, especially josh had 70 yards uh 296 yards total running in this game did you feel like you guys could control what was going on in the line of scrimmage yeah i, I definitely did um there's a thing when you play texas teams usually they're they're pretty good in the FCS level. So we had a lot of preparation. And again, they, you know, they had a lot of different fronts than most teams we played. So kind of dialing it in. And then, you know, it came down to some of those situations. I thought of Parker's yards, you know, they, Texas teams too, they play a lot of man, I feel like, especially the ones we play, especially on, like on defense. So, you know, him is extended legs on or extended plays on his legs, knowing it's in man coverage and there's nobody there to really catch him because he is evenly fast. You look at him, you know, they can run, but. <laughs> um yeah I th- I th- we had a pretty good game plan and you know a lot of guys you know contributed in their own way uh, i think it's just a story of our backfield right now that they all have their own little things they do and we trust parker and i know you said it, he even said it he holds the ball long sometimes but you know we never think that uh, whatever he's doing we're like all right you just just let us know if you're gonna run and throw it or run and get down the field so we don't go past the line that's kind of the only thing <laughs> yeah <laughs> Cam, you had five tackles compared to Ryan's measly two in this game. And um, that being said, the run game got going for Tarleton State. They had 333 yards rushing. It felt like maybe this game started to – we started to see a trend in trying to fix some things on the back end of the defense, and maybe that opened some things up for the run game in this game. Do you remember much about Tarleton State um, and the talent that they had between uh, Kayvon Britton and Daryl Kelly? Yeah, I definitely remember the talent. Um, they definitely had a lot of talent. I felt like when we got a hang of stopping the run, that's when they went to passing, and that's when I that's when they put nickel in. You know, I you know I get heartbroken when they put nickel in because they take me out because they want to put a uh, you know extra corner in there. But you know, I I, I definitely believe that their run game was uh, something uh, something serious, more like more than what we faced in the entire season. Um, and, you know, they had a lot of runs on the outside, uh, you know, and that's that's for the uh, Sam and the, uh, Jack to make. And um, there was times we didn't make those plays, and um, they, they outran us on the outside. And once we got a hang of it, we stopped it, and then we forced them to pass the ball. That's when they went 10 personnel that I remember, and uh, that's when overtime came along. And, Nickel was in the whole game, so I felt that Nickel handled, uh, you know, their jobs and, um, you know, our secondary did what they had to do to uh, stop that pass game right there. Brian, do you remember taking this game off or? Uh... <laughs> <laughs> this was our gigantic offensive lineman trend that we were fixing to go down. All of those guys are six foot plus 300 plus easily and they they wanted to run the ball for sure they they definitely got after us a little bit but uh we did a good job of settling everything down and finishing the game and i think that's what what we did best for that game because obviously we were just more on defense for a little bit our offense luckily picked us up like they usually do but yeah that, that was just a game where we had to get through and we had to finish now that, that's a tough team and i we're going to play him again. So. Gardner-Webb was next, a heartbreaking loss. Uh, you guys um, got up early on them, 7 nothing, but then they started running. Uh, they got it up to 21-7 um, into the second quarter. But you guys kept it close the rest of the way out. Braden scored with uh, 212 left in the game to make it a three-point game. Um, unable to get the win. Uh, Jalen Burbage had a big game. 
this in this one, uh, 90 yards receiving. We started to see Jalen start to really show himself out in this season. Six catches, 90 yards, and a touchdown. Um, Ryan, I'll give you Gardner-Webb one, as you mentioned it. Uh, I mean, it, that was tough, right? <laughs> I mean, because you guys went into it with uh, we got to get them from last year. All right, that that was definitely uh, not a, a not a game that was the circle. It was definitely a, a get back game, uh, a game we wanted really bad, and uh, a game that's sad to lose that way. It, it was just big play after big play that got us. It was it was a good little tug of war game to where we were uh, we were really in there, and they were in there against us. It was that one's just hard to to keep bringing up because you you lose in such a such a sad way when you really played your hearts out. And I think that's one thing our team did. We played our absolute hearts out. And yep. to end like that was definitely disappointing. Cam, you had the sack uh, and the fumble, forced fumble as well in this one. Ryan did show up for this game. He had four tackles and a tackle for loss. Logan had 21 uh, tackles in this game. So, Cam, we look at, man, we look at your stats, go three tackles, four tackles, five tackles, sacks, whatever. And then you look up, the, and there's Logan Blake with 21 daggone tackles. What's it like playing with Logan Blake back there? Uh, like, like I said, I feel like it's definitely experience playing with him. You know, um, you know me. You know, I love, I love uh, playing with him. He controls the defense. He controls what I do, and he tells me when I, when I sometimes forget some plays. He tells me what to do, and I'm like, dang, how do you know the defense so well? But um, playing with him was a. a was an honor really because you know come from NAIA school no one really believed that he was going to do what he did and uh he definitely proved it after the Cincinnati game then it was the UK game and everybody was like this boy about to go this boy about to go crazy I, I always thought he was like Wolverine to me so uh he definitely is in his name so but you know, I'm glad he's he's gone so I can get my tackles back up. <laughs> Realistically. <laughs> now John Parker threw three interceptions in this game. If I remember right, there was one that was questionable, should have been pass interference, didn't get called. Um, you know, and Parker talked about the the interceptions throughout the year and different things like that. I know the answer to this question, but I'm gonna ask it anyways. Was there ever a moment where you said you started to doubt what Parker could do? No, no, I mean yeah, he's, he's he's the best quarterback, like, I think in FCS. I, he just – he makes a lot of plays and, you know, things like that. It just didn't – it didn't go our way. And there's never a doubt. I mean, he's a leader. It's not just, like, a stat like that people look at and start to question, you know, like the fans and stuff. But, like, we know what's in the locker room. We know what he brings to the table. I mean, the game, it, it wasn't him. It wasn't, you know – we watched it back, and you know, maybe one of those was a timing error on a receiver, or maybe we gave up a pressure in the middle. I mean, I definitely remember there was a protection, and you know, it might have been me that I called wrong, or something happened, and there's a guy in his face, and he throws it. I mean, it's there's a lot of factors, and a lot of people don't don't think about that when they see that number. So, it's it's not him, you know. It's 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 a good selection of the offense, and, and it starts with me. So, I think you know, a lot of people got to. Just got to see that more than just that one stat column. So, agreed. Uh, Utah Tech, you guys got the win. Uh, I don't want to talk so much about the game, but about just the the trip as a whole. Um, I know me and Ryan talked about it when uh, when it happened, but uh, John, you ever been to Utah before? No, I've never been out west before. <laughs> okay, what's the furthest west you'd been before that game? Uh, Probably Texas west, last year. Martin. You team, or I, I guess, yeah. If you want to count, 
yeah i I guess our arkansas probably okay how uh how would you describe utah it's just uh you know I'm, i'm from the mountains in like kentucky so but it's like way different when i got off the plane i said it's mountains but it's not it's not what I'm used to, I guess. It's a lot of flat, a lot of nothing, but I don't, no green. That was the weird part, I guess. There was no green anywhere. Cam, you ever been out to Utah before? Yeah, I had a visit uh, with the University of Utah, and uh, when I was like, I think in my junior year of high school, and it was, it was definitely a drive. It was definitely, uh, it was definitely a drive because uh, we got off the plane and. We drove all the way to the university. It was about three hours away. So I was like, oh, this is crazy. But it was definitely an experience. But the second time going there, it was uh, it definitely got cold later on. So, <laughs> so. Uh, Late night in Utah, you guys get on the plane and come back home after that. Um, how were you feeling when you got off the plane back in Kentucky, Cam? I think we was, we was so ready to go home. Uh, like uh coach uh coach wells definitely said in the locker room let's go ahead and beat them so go go get back on the plane and for a second we thought the plane wasn't gonna start <laughs> i thought we were gonna get we definitely thought we were gonna get stuck there we we're gonna we was definitely gonna be sad for a couple of hours but the plane got fixed and um we got we got like right back at like 5 a.m i don't remember getting home to like 6 a.m so i was definitely tired but we got the dub. I didn't play much, you know. They was in nickel, nickel again, but you know, I don't blame them. You know. <laughs> now, one of my favorite uh, Coach Wells um, moments from this season was talking about Utah Tech, and he mentioned he said he appreciated them uh, having you guys play at eight p.m. and he'll remember it next year when they come to you guys. So, uh, so I'm not sure what time your game will be next year, but I have a feeling Utah Tech will not be getting home at a decent hour. Uh, when that, when that happens, um, Austin P was the next game, uh, the overtime loss and this, you know, you already mentioned it once, but the idea was, man, once you guys make it to overtime and that's going to be it, you guys are going to win. That's the feeling that everyone had. And, uh, this was one that was obviously, uh, UAC implications, playoff implications. It didn't seal your fate at this point, but it was still, it was a game that that uh, meant a lot, obviously, to the how the outcome of the season would go. Um, so, John, we'll start with you. There was really not any scoring until the fourth quarter. It was ten to six going into the fourth quarter. Um, what are games like that for offensive linemen? What are you guys feeling where it's just like, man, we just can't break through, um, and then all of a sudden the floodgates open in the fourth quarter? Well, it's just really frustrating because it's like you know your defense is playing the hearts out against. The- <laughs> That's very good. I mean, we watch film. You know, we know they they scored a lot of points against Tennessee as well, and uh, ETSU. You know, you see that, and you know they can put up points. Remember last year, they have the ability to score. So, you know, you're sitting there and your defense is playing their hearts out. You know, and I'm telling the boys like, you know, we got to get something going. Like, you know, we got to play some comp- complimentary football. I mean, and you know, if a lot of things didn't go our way um, going up to the fourth quarter, but you know, I'm it's our fourth quarter is like when we start going we're rolling you know when it rains it pours and i think that's definitely what happened in the austin p game you know we we caught a groove we caught a thing when it was all out there and we got, we got it to overtime so this was parker's best game of the year almost 400 yards passing three touchdowns no picks 
Uh, Jado had 11 catches, 130 yards, and a touchdown. The run game got only 60 yards total. That's with Parker's negative uh, yards that were in there. He had three sacks in that game. Uh, but Josh Carter had 44 yards. Braden Sloan had 43 yards. That's on the ground. Uh, Braden had a big game through the air as well. Um, but we saw Parker play a great game defensively. Um, you know, you guys, you guys had them right where you wanted them, especially coming into the fourth quarter. Logan again with 18 tackles uh, in this game. Um, you know, Cam, what was your your mindset in that game when you got to overtime because you guys held them for so long, and then you had overtime to go. You know, I felt like uh, we had the opportunity to make a stop, and um, we had we had we definitely had the opportunity to make a stop. Um, two two big 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 plays, uh, and then coming towards towards fourth down and having a chance to stop them. And you know, there's times that we just let stuff go, and then times that uh, we make stuff happen. So. Um, that was one of the times we just let some let, like let stuff go, and uh, it was up to our offense after that. Uh, see what we, see what we could do, but at the end of the day, you know, defense and offense as a whole, we're gonna have failures and we're gonna have some mistakes that we can fix, you know, especially going on the next season. And uh, you know, that's how I feel about that. It's a, it's a learning learning game, no doubt. Ryan, thoughts on Austin P. Uh, it just, I don't know, the whole buildup for the week, it felt like a rivalry week in college football. Like, you could tell there was tension between us and them. And uh, it was just going to be another another big game. And, uh, like, that's how it shaped up. That, it, was a, it was a great game back and forth. It was a classic cardiac Colonels game where we keep them in the game as long as we can and then pop off in the fourth. And I... Uh, when it coming down to it, we just felt we knew we could get a stop. We knew we had them. We knew we could box them up, and we knew our offense was rolling. And it was <laughs> give up one big play and ball game, and it was just uh, it was hanging heads from there. Yeah, and then you go into Central Arkansas the next week. You got to fly instead of bus, so that was a good thing. Um, and then, uh, but similar outcome: three point loss, twenty four twenty seven. There was still. Slim hopes of playoffs um, uh, at that point, and it would you still would have needed several things to fall your way. But um, Central Arkansas pulls off the win. They, I thought they were one of the better teams this year in the conference. Um, I actually thought they were better than Austin P. In my opinion, I don't know what you guys think about Central Arkansas and, and the talent that they brought in this year. Cam, we'll start with you. I got you. You know, I think. You know, obviously, I think Central Arkansas, you know, they had a lot of talent. They had a lot of players that can do big things, and some players uh, made plays, and that's how I felt. Like, it came from both teams. Uh, I, obviously, I it was crazy to me. I think their turf is worse than North Alabama, 100%, and playing on that turf is like playing on concrete, but – you know, when you made a tackle, you was gonna lose. You was gonna lose your knees. It was gonna your skin was gonna come definitely off. But um, you know, it came down to talent at the end of the game. It came down to who wanted it more. And I felt like our our uh, thought process going into the game was uh, we not letting them we not letting them play Austin P and fight for a, a playoff chance to be in the playoffs. I said we're gonna take that chance and we're gonna get our opportunity to uh, be in the playoffs. We just need them to be Austin P. That's the that's the, that's our thought process. We're gonna beat them. They be Austin P. We're we're here and we're gonna make it make something happen. 
and then I remember the uh, sidelines. It was it was crazy on the sidelines. There was literally fans, uh, Central Arkansas fans, literally barking at us, yelling and cussing at us. And you know, as 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 human beings, we gonna bark back. And it's, it's to the point that we started winning. And then it came to the last play of the game, and you know, it was definitely a, something you couldn't overturn. And you know, it was it was very heartbreaking. What was the mindset with um, you had the whole clock situation? Um, but you guys still had to finish out the game, right? And at the end of the day, were you guys able to have your minds clear for that final play, or was there still some of that frustration left over from the clock situation? I, I believe there was still a little frustration after the clock, but I like, hey, offense score. We just got to make these big plays, and we made those big plays. And then, you know, it's one more game we call victory, and then we get the victory. And, um, you know, our mind says we got to bat the ball down. He threw it high enough to get the ball tipped up. Uh, my man came running, which I wasn't expecting that to happen. And uh, he caught the ball, I tackled him. And I'm thinking, like, okay, he's definitely not past the line. But uh, I, in my head, I thought we won the game. I thought we had enough evidence to overturn it. And, you know, that, that clock, after the game, everybody, like, you know, if the clock wasn't messed up, the clock wasn't messed up, but we – we definitely had that still had that one play that could have stopped everything. John EB scored a touchdown with 24 seconds left. Um, you spent time with him. How exciting was that? Not just for the team to take the lead, but to have a guy like EB with the one that gets the touchdown. Yeah. Uh, me and EB, you know, we're the same major. We just graduated together this weekend and we spent a lot of time in on the, you know, football and then in the classroom. So, you know, I, we go down and I see who scores it. I didn't even know what his celebration was, but somehow I just picked it up on the spot. And I was the first one to say, you know, congratulate him. Like, you know, he we knew he was done after this year. Yeah. So, you know, being one of the last games, he gets his first touchdown and and a, and a crazy a crazy drive. You know, no timeouts. I think we had a minute. And, you know, we marched on the field and he gets a strike. And it was it was like a it was an emotional moment I think for a lot of people. Um, I'm a big guy on love seeing others, you know, to succeed. And a guy I came in with his story, being a walk on, earning a scholarship, and then him saying, you know, he's done and he goes out in the second to last game and gets his first touchdown in a huge moment of the game. It was, you know, it was, it was, it was huge emotionally. Everybody was so excited for him. So let's get to senior night, Stephen F. Austin. Um, you guys. Uh, and from the outside looking in, nothing to play for. But obviously, that's not the case on senior night. There's there's brothers that you're playing for uh, there, John as well. And so Stephen F. Austin comes in. You guys take care of business. Thirty six twenty four doesn't come down to the last second, thankfully. Uh, and you get the win, John. Let's go with you on this one, man. Senior day, the emotions, everything that's there. Um, what was it like this year? Yeah, I mean, it, it, I was telling the guys and. And Ryan and Cam might have heard is like, you know, this is the last time this group's going to be together. I mean, we're not playing for playoffs or anything, but like, this is the last time that you're going to see certain people in the locker room that all of us are going to be together. This this team. So you know, going out there not the week. Uh, I just told people, said enjoy it. You know what I mean? Like some people get distracted and football's a lot and a lot mentally, physically, and all that, but. It's like, you know, we got all these periods throughout the week of hitting each other, but, like, it's the last one you're going to have with certain guys. So you just got to take it in and enjoy it. And 
going out there and, you know, during the week when he got hurt and we had to bring in a younger guy and get him all ready. And I mean, we had to get ready and send Joe out the right way, Josiah. So, I mean, it was an emotional week, especially at the end, you know, but we, we got the win for those guys and, you know, it's, it's the last time I'll play with Parker probably. So after the game, it was just, it was, it was crazy. Josiah and, you know, some of those other guys, but it, it was definitely nice to send him out on a win and, Ryan, you had a good game, four tackles, tackle and a half uh, for loss as well, thrown in there too. And I know we've talked a lot throughout this year about the guys in the locker room and especially those seniors come that last day. There wasn't a ton of uh, uh, of seniors this year, uh, but obviously the ones that were there, most of them you've been with for quite some time. Um, your kind of final thoughts on senior night and how everything went there. I think the senior night was perfect. Uh, it all shaked up how it should have. Uh, the The intro was great. The video we had was great. The meals, it, it was all, it all lined up perfect, all leading up to the game. You could tell the energy, everybody was locked in. Had one goal in mind, and that was to win. And we went out there and did it. And it was good to send those, those guys out on a, on a positive note on what they should have been sent out throughout the whole season. Those guys were our, our leaders, our friends, our family, those guys were guys we looked up to when we, me and John first got here and that uh, were still our friends and they grew up and changed with us and they got to see this program really grow. And uh, I hope we get to keep passing the torch along because it's, it's our turn now, which is, it's sad that those will probably be some of the last times we get to play with those guys, but I love and respect them and I'm happy that what they did for us and Happy they're helping us move this program along in a positive way. Yeah, and ending on a win is obviously a great way to end the season. Um, no matter what else happens in the season, your last memory is walking off the field with the win, and that that helps, I promise, down the road. <laughs> that helps a lot. Um, guys, I really appreciate you guys coming on. Cam, I want to start with you. Um, I mean, it's off-season now, uh, so so what's the regimen? What, I mean, how, how, how long do you try to take a break before you get back to the, to the heavy work? Uh, I've been back to the heavy work. Uh, you know, I talked to Coach Brown and Coach uh, Greg. Uh, getting back, uh, getting back to working out right now, and I've been back working out since last week. I started Monday. Um, he has me on a 120 uh, day workout and trying to get my body uh, prepared for uh, this upcoming season. Um, also talked to Coach Brown and Coach Greg about. Um, the leadership that's going to be coming uh, a hold of the next uh, next season and uh, upcoming season for sure. Um, you know, we preached finish. You know, we preached finish the whole, basically almost the whole entire season. And um, I feel like when it comes to weight room, comes to uh, conditioning, and it comes to when OTAs come up and uh, practicing in fall camp and spring, camp, uh, spring ball, it's going to be uh, – it's going to be all about finishing with, 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 with like whatever we do. So basically that's how I feel about it. What's the one, one thing I know there's probably multiple <laughs> things you're trying to improve on. What's the, what's the one main focus of improvement for you in this off season? You know, um, for me, like I said, like, like I said, uh, finishing for me, you know, I'm always at the ball and I'm always there. And sometimes I'll miss the tackle. And sometimes I'll miss this interception. I can get easily. And then, I just don't. I just don't finish it. And I, now I'm about to preach to myself. You know, whatever I do, just finish and get get to what I got to do. Make that tackle. Get that interception. Uh, set that edge. And just keep finishing. 
John, man, big year, graduation. Uh, that's always a good time. So what's next on the agenda for you? Yeah, I've started working out now, but I'm not going so heavy as I need to. I, I still, I still got some lingering. You know, I gotta, I gotta still recover a little bit more. But yeah, I'm, I'm back at home, and I got a YMCA a few minutes away, and I'm gonna get like a little job during the winter. So just kind of chillax a little bit. Have mom make me some food, work out, stretch, and get ready for the spring. So. What's the uh, what's the educational next thing for you? Are you going masters? Yeah, I'll do a MBA. So okay, yeah, uh, that's a that's a big task, man. Once I got done with my four years, I said I'm out. Uh, <laughs> nothing, nothing else for me as well. Thanks to Steve Hotchkiss for watching again. He's uh, he's a listener of the program, and uh, we appreciate you guys and all the hearts you guys played with this year as well. Uh, John and Cam, we appreciate you guys taking time for us. And I know we kept you a long time, uh, but we really do appreciate you taking time for us and uh, looking forward to what's ahead for you guys. Appreciate Thank you. it. Thank you. All right, John Stone and Cam Jr. And uh, we're going to wrap up the show with some postseason awards, Ryan. You have no idea what's coming. I didn't give you any heads up on this because I wanted to do your uh, full reaction to it. And so uh, we're going to go through uh, last year. I did. I'm trying to think if I did it two years ago. I don't remember if I did or not. But I have the Sports Stove Awards. They're specifically for football, uh, trying to give some recognition to some guys. So I've got Offensive Player of the Year, Defensive Player of the Year, um, Most Improved Player, and then Coach of the Year um, for the program. So we'll start with Offensive Player of the Year. Um, and I, I'll tell you what I've got. I've got. Uh, uh, three candidates here, and here's where they were. Parker, you got to put Parker in. He's the quarterback. 265 completions, 3,033 yards, 20 touchdowns, 12 picks. Um, he ran the ball 66 times for 327 yards and three touchdowns. Jado Smith uh, as well, 73 catches, led the team, 781 yards, five touchdowns. And then Braden Sloan, uh, 784 rushing yards, 10 touchdowns. And then he added 41 catches, 474 yards, and three touchdowns through the air. And so my offensive player of the year is Braden Sloan. I, I, I love what he did this year. And, uh, again, he just he, he does it in both ways, running the ball and catching the ball. And, uh, and I mean, you can always look at the quarterback, and Parker's always great. Um, and uh, and Jado did some really good things this year. And there were other guys, too. Um, maybe we should talk to John more about that. But. I don't know how to grade offensive linemen. The offensive right. linemen looked great. I mean, they they played really, really well this year. And uh, we'll talk about them when we get to the coach of the year candidates. But um, so for me, it was Braden Sloan. Did I leave anybody off the nomination list that we definitely should have had on there? Um, other than the offensive line, no, I, I think those are a great, great top three. And I, I agree with the, the Braden pick because Braden, he, he really showed how dynamic he was this year. He really showed that. Even if he doesn't get the running game popping, he can always catch the ball. And if he can get them both working, he's really dangerous. So yeah, I agree with uh, Braden Sloan. And you throw on top of that the return game yep. where they got to the point where they wouldn't kick to him. So you guys put in someone different to go back there so you could get some kickoff returns as well. Um, so that's exciting. All right, defensive player of the year, three nominations. Of course, Ryan Jackson has to be on here. 36 tackles, seven and a half tackles for loss, three and a half sacks, three pass breakups, and one fumble recovery on the season. By far your statistically best best year that you've had. 
I've got Frank Leon here also, 31 tackles, seven and a half tackles for loss, four and a half sacks. Uh, he led the team in that area. One interception, two pass breakups, and one forced fumble um, as well. Uh, but I think the obvious choice here is Logan Blake, uh, 132 tackles. The next closest person uh, was 80 tackles. And so he, he led the team by far in tackles, 10 and a half tackles for loss, two and a half sacks, two picks, two forced fumbles, and one fumble recovery. I mean, the addition of Logan, it was a big addition for you guys this year. Yeah, Logan, it was like Cam said, it's an honor to play with him. He's such a smart guy and a beast on the field. And he's greedy. I think that's the people that people don't know about him. He's greedy. He wants all the tackles. Yeah. And he wants his teammates to make tackles too. But he's a greedy guy. And he, he, he just keeps stacking them up and stacking them up. He, he does a great job of knowing our defense, knowing our calls, knowing what an <laughs> offense is giving him and how an offense is trying to stop him because it's, it's hard to to game plan for a guy who's in the spots you think you can catch him in or who's already game planned for the spots that you think you're going to catch him in. And <laughs> it, it was just an honor to play with Logan. Nick was another guy that I was going to put on this list. I just did three okay. nominees, so I didn't include Nick in that. He would have been an option, of course, as well. Yeah. Anybody else that needs to be mentioned in that top top tier group of guys? Mm. Towards late, towards the end of the season, Darian Baker was a good, uh, would have been a good honorable mention. He 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 definitely elevated his game this year and proved to a lot of people that he he can play. He's not just a backup anymore. He he can be a bona fide starter and really put up numbers. Yeah. Uh, all right, most improved player. This was an interesting one. So I had to look a lot on this one and I had to look at a lot of different things. All right. So uh, one guy we talked about a lot this season was Jeremiah Bailey. Um, he took advantage of his opportunities, 13 total tackles, two tackles for loss, a sack, forced fumble, fumble recovery, a touchdown uh, to go with it. Obviously, Jeremiah Bailey, um, good season for him, a lot of improvement uh, from what, of course, he got on the field, so that helped a lot too, but uh, a lot of improvement. I got Josh Carter on this list too, 728 rushing yards, which was only 60 behind uh, Braden. Uh, he had four touchdowns, 21 catches, 147 yards as well. We saw the what he could be towards the end of last season, and then this year we kind of saw the whole um, what he is <laughs> before it's all said and done. But the winner of my most improved award goes to a specialist, Jeremy Edwards, uh, the punter. Jeremy, he had uh, uh, 1,805 yards, so 1,805 yards. 16 of his punts were inside the 20, four for touchbacks. His average went up five yards from the previous season. So he averaged 41.8 yards uh, per punt. From last year, he was 36.8 yards per punt. I felt like the improvement that we saw in Jeremy this year um, needed to be acknowledged and as much as I think, uh, I'm sure I mean, you you might. This is what category I thought you might have more people um, that I didn't have on my list. Um, so so who did I leave off? Who who's most improved this year? Hmm. Those are all three great ones, and Jeremy is definitely he definitely de raised his uh, stock this season. Um, most improved, most improved. Oh, I forgot to mention Frankie on the defensive uh, player. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah course, Frankie West, yeah. Best, too. Um, <laughs> no, because Josh Josh was one of mine. Um, I think I think you pretty much nailed it. Uh, Thank you. <laughs> uh, Mo Edwards coming back towards the end of the season was 
he he's at, I don't know what his numbers were last year, but I'm sure they're much improved. Yeah. Um, if I could pick an offensive lineman, I would say Vincent Munlin. He he's mm-hmm. made probably the biggest leap. He went from a young kid on that last year's offensive line to an established player and a real real big deal in yeah. in the and John Stone is another one. I'll say yeah. he went from backing up, playing guard and center a little bit to really being that full on starter and leading an offensive line. Yeah. But if I I, have, I would have to pick Jeremy. Jeremy Edwards yeah. is definitely uh, one of the most improved players on this team, and I, he he really worked for it. He, yeah. he he had a lot of critics after last year. He had a lot of people doubting him after last year, and he really wanted to prove them wrong. He did his thing this year, man. Um, so congrats to Jeremy, Logan, and Braden so far taking home Sports Stove Awards. Uh, all right, Coach of the Year. This is one of my fun ones, and I'm excited to have you on the show for this one because, um, I, I mean, I'm still going to pick the winner because you'd be biased. But uh, <laughs> nonetheless, we got to talk about the 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 line, uh, O-line and D-line. Um, these were both candidates this year. Uh, Jeremy Hawkins on the D-line. Um, you guys lost some veteran players, um, guys with experience from outside the program and inside the program, um, all that kind of stuff. But the D-line really stepped up and played solid football this year, both in the run game and in the pass defense um, as well. And, uh, you know, obviously there's big things in down the line for Hawk, and uh, we're excited to see. Hopefully he's still here and, and sticking around a little bit longer here. But, but we know things are down the line for him. We know they're coming. Uh, for him. And I, I just thought the D line played really well this year. And I'm not just saying that because you're on the show, uh, but you know, best, best of all, how the D line did this year and the impact that coach Hawkins had. Yeah, I, I would agree with uh, coach Hawkins. A lot of, a lot of people this year doubted our, our defensive line said that was probably going to be the one area that we were going to struggle with or the one area that there's a now whatever uh, we, I feel like we came out there to prove something. And not only that we could compete, but we're we're just as good. We're we're actually might be a little bit better than uh yeah. than some of our previous lines. I know this was the most fun I've had, and I played with a lot of talented people. And I'm not no bashing them, but yeah. this was the most team team oriented D line we've had, and we had a, I, we had chemistry going on. I felt like coming into the season, I had the biggest question marks about the D line. Um, I, I was really worried about the, the DBs, um, just because of the amount of change and, and, and what was there. Um, but I had the biggest question about the D line to see who was going to step up, how they were going to step up. Um, because again, when you lose a, a guy who's playing on Sundays right now, that's a big deal. Right. And, uh, you guys stepped up, you really had a solid six guys. And I know there's more than that in the room, um, that played through the rotations and you had the, the pass rushers and you had the run stoppers and you had the fill in the middle and you had it all going on this year with with a mixture of young guys veteran guys new guys you know i mean it's it's incredible to see what coach hawkins did um and how you guys played throughout the year but that's a that's a testament to both you guys and to coach hawkins of course as well um but so he's one of the candidates the other ones uh i've got two more but another one is eric losey with the o-line first of all the consistency and we talked about it already they were able to stay relatively healthy play together for most of the year and it was by far the best that I've seen the O-line play in my time watching EKU. And uh, we saw that through the um, the run game uh, being consistent. We saw that through Parker staying clean for most of the year, too. 
and you had to practice against those guys. So again, you would know as, as good as anybody, um, you know, what you're, and you talked about John all year and how much, uh, you thought John had grown, but you got a guy in Josiah who from everything that I see is going to be drafted this year in the NFL. And then you got another guy in Peyton, who's a phenomenal ball player and plenty of recognition. Um, I don't know if he's going to get his name called. I think he's going to get an invite at the very least uh, to a team uh, in the in the NFL. So you had guys on the old line that that played incredible football this year. Yeah, I completely agree. And I, I think the best thing about our groups is that we we've competed since the summer. O line, D line, we've always been going at each other. To where I th- I feel like iron sharpened iron in this season. You could really tell that. Like, that's that's one of the biggest increases. Our our trenches were different this year. You could tell we were moving people and we were bumping people back. But the offensive line, I I it's been awesome to see them grow as a, a group. Cause it, it it all it took was the off season to figure out all the pieces, and ever since then they took off. And they as soon as John became leader in the helm, they you, you couldn't stop them. They they were. They were definitely harder to practice against. Oh my goodness! They they started coming off the ball together, and they knew all the strategies. They 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 were a fun group to compete against, and it, it sucks that their core is going to be gone. But the guys that they got coming back, they can lead them to a whole another. And especially with Coach Losey, Coach, I think that's probably the best thing for the offensive line that they've had the same coach. Yeah, and that they've learned him, and he's learned them, and their playing styles and. I think they're starting to get a little bit more mean and nasty, and I think that's what we're, we should be looking forward to for the next couple of years. And obviously, Coach Wells, uh, he's invested in the O line too. It's his what he's built his career on, um, which which probably helps some as well. But we can't give Coach Losey the award because Coach Losey is the only position coach that did not come on our show this year. Um, it was uh, it was a timing issue. We we, we were on the O line during camp. And they had meetings going on at all hours of the night. He couldn't come on. Um, but we can't give him the award because he shafted us this year. So mm-hmm. so thanks for nothing, Coach Losey. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, it was a great, great year for the O-line. All right, so here's my coach of the year. Now, again, I know you would vote for Hawkins, so I couldn't let you mm-hmm. vote on this. Um, but my coach of the year is actually a tandem. Uh, co-special teams coordinators, Derek Day and Chris Franklin. The special team – now, listen, I want to say this, and – I love Coach McKeithen. I'm a huge Coach McKeithen fan. I still follow him on social media. I think he's a phenomenal human being. I think he's a very good coach. The 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 difference, if, if I can see the difference, then you know it's a difference. Um, the difference in the mentality and the mindset of the special teams units this year stood out. Um, and to me, there was just an obvious upgrade in play this year from the special teams. And I don't know if that's how much the personnel has to do with that, how much the coaching coaching has to do with it. Uh, but I will say this, I felt like that was the most improved unit this year, and I felt like they deserve some recognition. And so Coach Day and Coach Franklin uh, and their parts in coaching the special teams, they're getting the Sports Stove <laughs> Award for Coach of the Year this year. Um, again, I know you're biased towards Hawk, but tell me about Day and, and Franklin and the job they did this year. No, I can actually say I fully agree with okay. your choice. Uh, I this was the first year I sat in on special teams meeting seriously as a potential like real backup, so I had to pay attention a lot more. And they, those two brought uh, energy and a fun to special teams that we haven't had in a while. No offense to Coach McKeith, and he did a great, phenomenal job with us. 
but Coach Day and Coach Franklin definitely brought some juice that was needed. And uh, the guys respected it. And the guys learned. And they came to meetings. They were attentive. They took notes. And it, it, they changed the whole way our special teams plays. You can see it in how they run down the field. You can see it in how they hit. Even when we get in our little scuffles now, we're not backing down from anybody. And mm -hmm. I think that's the attitude that they both have instilled in each special teams. They take time on each one. And I think that's the best the best thing about their partnership is that they work together on it. Yeah. Well, I'm glad you weren't disgusted with any of my picks. Uh I do have an honorable <laughs> mention though. Okay. Uh, honorable mention that it's a coach that usually never gets talked about and it's because he does such a phenomenal job for each year is coach Caleb Cox. Okay. The yeah. yeah. You gotta think our receiving room completely flipped from yeah. last room and they still still put up good numbers and i think that's a testament to how how hard coach cox works with those guys and to making them better route runners that's a great point uh coach cox and the things that he did this year um with this team again there was a ton of depth this year which means he had a, a hard job because yes you're saying well that means there's a lot of good players yes but he's got to try to figure out a lot of things with those guys put them in the right position uh, to succeed when they're out there on the field as well. And uh, and that's a great, great point, Coach Cox, uh, and a phenomenal job with the receiving group. And uh, and he's got his hands full for next year too. So uh, we're excited to see what goes on, goes on with that. Um, awesome. So we're going to post these on social media soon. We'll get those up and uh, recognize those guys and, uh, and give them a little bit of recognition at the very least uh, from our program. And, uh, and excited about that, man. The transfer portal is really starting to turn right now. So we're going to learn more information over the next couple of weeks um, about anybody else leaving and people starting to come in. We'll start seeing that before too long as well, which will be fun. And, uh, and you know, I know it's going to be hard. There's, I expect for another couple guys, um, guys that played uh, still to, to enter, maybe not played a ton, but played some guys that people will at least know um, possibly to still enter the, the portal. Um, but I'm telling you, man, from what I, I, I tried to dig as deep as I could and the guys that, that are being offered right now, um, I mean, there's some big dudes, uh, on the O-line. I know there's been a heavy, heavy pouring of O-line things, which I expected, especially with Josiah and Peyton leaving. Um, uh, so you knew, you knew they were going to go out and try to, to add more to the room, uh, there. And like I said, DBs to uh, corners and things like that getting added, um, soon as well. So we'll keep an eye up on that and update that as best as we can and uh, keep our ears to the ground on things as well. And uh, I want to remind people, I don't ever dig for information from Ryan. Uh, we're never going to abuse uh, what we've got with Ryan being here because I don't want Ryan to ever get in trouble. Now, when he's done at EKU, we'll get all the deep, dirty secrets. <laughs> but uh, until then, no, I'm kidding. Um, but we've had great conversations throughout the football year and learned a lot, which has been exciting too. And John and uh, Cam coming on was great. We were going to have Mo on as well. He was sick um, under the weather, so he could not end up joining us. Uh, but we definitely uh, um, appreciate the guys that were able to come on and join us. And and we'll continue with basketball coverage uh, throughout the uh, winter here and baseball coverage once we get into it. The girls took care of business tonight, girls basketball against Simmons. Um, another blowout win for them. So that congratulations to them. They get into the the tough games uh, now in their schedule. We'll keep an eye on that. The girls uh, playing uh, playing very well. The guys uh, got a win, or excuse me, a loss against Western Kentucky, but a close game. 
and uh, their season's about to turn up as well. So we'll keep everybody updated on those things going on as well. Um, what else, Ryan? Anything else? You know, other than any of my teammates that watch this, heck of a season. Thank you all for a great season. And uh, let's get right back to it next season. And and what do you say to the players that uh, that complain that they don't get, get on the show? They didn't get on the show this year. Uh, all right, so what do they got to do next year to get on the show, Ryan? You got to prove it in camp, obviously, but you got to start making some plays during the game. We got to, we got to, we got to have something to to want to bring you on. That's right. And you can't now, just cry and beg me. I won't. I won't go for it. No, and and it, you don't have to wait until the fall. Uh, spring practice will kick up. We can get some guys on during the spring. We'll be talking baseball, but we can get some guys on during the spring. And uh, and uh, have some guys on and, and see what's going on throughout the spring. Keep up on guys um, as well on there. So, yes, this is our football recap. Uh, an absolute blast of a season. Obviously, it didn't all go the way we wanted it to go, but uh, but a, a fun season nevertheless. And it's uh, it's pretty much time to turn the page now and get on to the next one. Uh, and there's a lot of change in the books. I mean, again, you lose Parker. Um, you lose a quarterback that's been here for 10 years or seven years or however long it is that he's been here. That's a big deal. It's going to it's gonna be adjustment, whether it's Cam uh, Hergott, whether it's a transfer quarterback, whether it's someone else who's already on the roster. Um, it's it's going to be a change nonetheless. So we're excited to see where that one goes as well. A reminder, go visit RighteousFelon.com. Get yourself some jerky. Uh, Stove 15 is the code for 15% off. Uh, we didn't play the commercials today, but a, a thanks to IPM Pest and Termite and All Around Roofing for their support of the program as well. Um, you can visit myipm.com if you have pest, pest needs in your in central Kentucky. All Around Roofing, you find them on Facebook, All Around Roofing KY on Facebook. If you have exterior needs for your home, they'll take care of you there as well. Follow us on social media at Sports Stove on Twitter and Instagram. And do us a favor if you're watching, uh, hit that like button on the YouTube. Uh, or the subscribe button if you're not already subscribed. And uh, the likes and the comments really help the algorithms get us out there more. So if you help us out with that, we'd greatly appreciate it. Thanks, Ryan. As always, uh, thank you all for listening. We'll be back next week with more coverage at Sports Stove Local Hour. Until then, we'll see you around the Sports Stove.